the whole of the Bible gives us a very interesting view of power. Power does not just come because people want to carry it. There is a mystery to power that we need to understand. The lead scripture for this week we have titled from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and I quote, that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What does it mean that the preaching of the cross is power? And how do we appropriate this power in our day-to-day uh, lives? When we understand that, I tell you the truth, our lives are not going to be the same again. Amen? So, because it is Bible week, I'm going to try to show you by the grace of God, different ways, different forums, different moments when the cross came forward and power was manifested. And this is going to shock you. Allow me to open it, not by reading the Bible, but by giving you three short stories. Three short stories in history. The first one involved a certain young man who went to fight in a battle. And the people he was fighting were what we call barbarians. People who do not know how to read or write. People who do not know how even to eat with a knife and a fork. People who are rough. Some of them were practicing what we call animal, uh, animal uh, offering or animal kind of sacrifice and even human sacrifice. And this was the days when the world was still dark and the gospel had not yet penetrated. It was in the, it was in the early third century. So this man is also leading fellow barbarians, people who do not know how to, most of them do not know how to read and write, and most of them do not know about the God of heaven, and is leading them in battle. And this battle was so decisive because the eastern part of the empire was fighting with the western part, and whoever emerged victorious was going to be the united emperor who will now rule the whole of Europe. They reached a certain river. And in this river, it was this man to cross and push these barbarians to the, to the river and they die and he wins. Or he could be pushed back and when he is pushed back beyond the bridge, the battle could be won by the barbarians. It was a tough moment. This young man knew, if I lose, there is no day I am going to be emperor. If I win, there is no day I am going to be subjecting myself to anyone. Just in those moments when he's about to step into battle, he suddenly fell in a trance and he saw a vision. A vision that was to change Europe to date as we know it. What vision did he see? He saw a vision of a light in the skies. And the light in the sky came one straight line, then another line, and it was writing the name of Christ in Greek called Kairos. And when he looked in, a voice told him, I am the Lord Jesus. From today, you shall no longer march under the banner of barbarians, of skull and bones and birds and animals. You shall march under the banner of my cross. And as you march under the banner of my cross, you shall win every battle. 
The man who was not a believer, he rose up. He instructed all his soldiers, from today we are marching under one banner, the banner of the Christian gods, and we are going to see victory. Remember, I forgot to tell you, the army he was leading was almost a third of the other people he was going to fight. It's like these other guys were 30,000 and him he was 10,000. So the battle was going to be decided by supernatural means, not by the natural means. So the man rose up, he told them, all of you make sure you paint your armor in the Christian emblem, the Christian emblem of the cross. And they painted it. All of you swear by the Christian God. They swore by the Christian God. And the other barbarians were also planning, sacrificing the human sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, and the battle was now started. And as they marched in front, suddenly the power came and they began to push these people towards the river. And all of them were drowned in the river. The man was proclaimed now the unified emperor of the Roman Empire. His name was Constantine, for some of you who have heard of him before. The next story I want to illustrate to you involves a prophet, some of you know, but the Lord did not allow me to give you his name. This man decided to launch his ministry. And as many prophets are usually led, he went to a period of fasting and prayer. He was doing 40 days of prayer. And as he's in this prayer, the last week of the 40 days, initially, let me encourage you, those of you who feel you want to do 40, God have mercy on you. You lose more flesh than you want to keep. Initially, during the 40, you'll do the first week, nothing will be happening. You do the second week, nothing will be happening. Third week, you will know that hunger was not made in heaven. <laughs> you'll begin to see dim dim. Eh? <laughs> I remember a friend of mine, when he did the 40, he went to pee in the toilet and he fell in that toilet. And for five minutes, he was just saying, ding, ding, ding. Then he came back to life. <laughs> So the young man goes into fasting for 40 days. The last week, something happened that has happened to a lot of men and women of God whom I know and respect. The Lord Jesus appeared to him, and he did two things. Number one, he gave him a little cross, smaller than this phone, and he gave him in his hands. He told him, hold it, and the cross was shining of light. And then he told him, now listen to me, my servant. Every year of your life, I'll be visiting you. If you are faithful, this cross will increase. If you are unfaithful, this cross will decrease. This is your power. When you stand, demons will be seeing it. You, you will not be seeing it, but demons will be seeing it. When you stretch your hand, this is what will be healing the sick and casting out the devils. So the first year... He went out to start his ministry. God helped me not to start my ministry like that. Because the young man went to the forest, chopped wood, and he made benches, put it in a, a tin house, Nyumba Mabati. And then he waited for people to come. About 50 people showed up. And the young man was still looking so thin from fasting as if he was, you know, suffering from a terminal disease. And the first year, he got about 150 people. And he was faithful. He was the one sweeping the toilet. He was the one arranging the seats. God have mercy on me to have humility. And he was the one doing everything in the church. Jesus came, increased his size of the cross. 
And before you knew it, in 10 years, it was a mega church. Right now, you go to that church. Some of you know it. It is made of marble from the floor to the walls. Third example before we go now to our study involves a young girl, teenage girl whom I came to know and really admire. She moved from Europe to come and preach in Africa, a powerful evangelist. And a friend of mine looked at her and everybody admired her because she had given up so much to go and preach the gospel. So one day as she's praying and praying in tongues and moving on the stage and doing those things preachers do, which you, some of you do not get the understanding of. You know, oh, somebody say glory. You know those moments when the preacher is in his element. <laughs> the young girl saw her flashing her hands like this and she could see a cross in her hands in form of a light. And this cross was releasing power. And this girl, every time she did like this, and this girl looked at her, she could see, physically she could see there is a light on her palms and another light in her mouth. And the cross could, you know, this, this light was radiating in form of a cross and it was coming on the, on the people. And the demons could begin to come out and people could be touched. And God told her, because she was really asking the Lord, why is this girl this powerful and she's just a teenager the lord told her that is her secret what was her secret i want to explain to you are you ready Amen. are you ready yes. before jesus went on the cross and he physically died the cross was already a mystery hidden in the old testament and I want to show you that. The cross was already a mystery in the Old Testament. The cross, by the time it was physically appearing on Golgotha, and Jesus was saying on it, while lying on it, it is finished. In the Old Testament, it was already there. Because the cross is not just a piece of wood. It is a mystery. It is a principle you should understand. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, where God, having formed man, he put him in the garden. And when he put him in the garden, he gave him two options. There is this tree, and there is this other tree. Adam, as you are standing there, you decide, will you eat of that tree of life and live forever, or will you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and die? Adam has to decide. In that moment, when Adam is in the middle of that garden, already there is a cross. As long as he is walking on the path of God of obedience, the cross was preserving him for eternity. The day he went to this side of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, death came on him physically and also spiritually. If you are a prophet and the Lord takes you on a vision of the Garden of Eden, you will see a cross on Adam. And this cross was a mystery because it was his choice of going to the left or going to the right. It was of his choice of walking the straight line of obeying God or going his own way. The day Adam went his own way, power left him. 
The promise of God left him. The glory of God left him. The cross was already there in Eden. Because in Eden, there was already the left side and already the left, the right side. The cross was already there as a mystery, guiding Adam till he disrespected it. Never forget this statement I'm about to make in the name of the Lord. This is the statement. There is no great episode in the Bible that ever took place without the cross being behind it. There is no great episode in the Bible that ever took place without the cross being behind it. When Adam is about to sin and plunge humanity into sin, the cross was there being neglected. It's like this cross is very straight, okay? The, 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 the arms of this cross, so to speak, are very straight. And since I am walking straight on it, not going to the left or to the right, but walking with it straight, this cross is still intact. So whatever power it has is intact. But the day I tilt too much to this side, the cross loses its power. What is the last fruit of the Holy Spirit? The last fruit is called self-control. Because you begin by loving the Lord, but you tie it all up through self-control. When Adam lost his, self, his sense of self-control, the cross, the mystery that was guiding him in that garden, lost its power. And Adam was now subjected to mortality. Now his body could, could grow old and he could die and be buried. Previously, there was no growing old for Adam. There was no dying for Adam. It was life eternal for him. The next three days, we are going to look at how to carry this cross in three postures. Tomorrow, we will look at our different posture. The following day, we look at a different posture. The last day, we look at a different posture. But for now, allow me to keep introducing the mystery of the cross. So Adam is in the garden. And on this side, if he keeps eating this and walking with God... The cross is intact. But if he goes to this other side and he eats of this side, the cross will lift. The cross will lose its power. And I will tell you this with pain in my heart. It is one of those things that keep me awake at night. Not many who are called apostles, not many who are called prophets, not many who are called evangelists carry the cross. Most of them just carry titles. Adam did not cease being called Adam. He still remained Adam. The same way Saul did not cease being called King Saul. For 40 years, though he has been, though God has departed from him, he's still Saul. But not the Saul who was the darling of God. Why? Because when you despise the cross, the cross will lift from you. You may keep the title that the cross gave you, but you will not carry the power. You will not carry the saving power of that cross. It is this cross that you carry that will make men to repent their sins when they, when they hear you preach or when they review your conduct and your character and they want to become like you. They want to follow your God. It is this cross. So Adam loses the cross. A man comes on board called Abraham. I'm just introducing patterns of the cross. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham comes on board. And Abraham is told a very simple thing. 
leaves this land called Hur, which is the chief civilization city of those days, and just go to the land I will show you. Already there was a left side and there was a right side. Abraham must choose. Will I stand there frozen or will I keep going back to where I've been told to come out of or will I go to where God wants me to go? That moment already a cross had appeared. Let me go back a bit lest I confuse you. <laughs> the Bible says that our God dwells in great light, irreproachable light. Meaning, everything about our God is light. Okay? Everything about him is light. Most of you, do you know you have seen the Lord Jesus, but you did not see his face. Light came in front of you and you thought, I, maybe I'm just being spiritual. Maybe my senses are waking up too much. Maybe it is an angel. Many times Jesus appears to people, but he just appears in form of light. Because, not because he's just a piece of light or a beam of light like this, but because there is so much truth about him that all he can radiate is light. So, this is the thing I want you to get. Anytime you appear before God, the light on him will make a cross on you. The more you obey the law and the ways of God that he has revealed to you, the more the cross will become clearer and clearer on you as a source of light. Every man who has heard the voice of God, there is a cross that has appeared to them, whether they knew it or they did not know it. Remember, can I read one scripture so that I don't use a lot of words? <laughs> Let me read this scripture. Two scriptures actually. Psalm 60 verse 4, the Bible says, Though thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Thou hast given them that fear thee a banner. This banner usually is in form of a cross. It's like God telling you now, uh, I, want to, I want to mark you to show you that before me you really fear me, that you are my child. So I'm going to mark you, but I'm going to mark you with my cross. You may not see it with your physical eyes, but demons and angels will see it. Songs of Solomon says it in a better way. Songs of Solomon. Let me get where it is. Songs of Solomon. I can read it from my phone. Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4. The Bible says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. God has a way of putting his banner over you. But that banner usually is in form of a light of the cross. Psalm 60 verse 4 talks about a banner. Uh, Songs of Solomon chapter 2 talks about a banner. This banner as a shape. This banner is a cross. So Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldeans, of the idolaters, and go to the land I will show you. Already there is a cross. With Abraham standing in the middle, choosing whether to walk in the revelation of that cross or not. 
And when you look at the book of Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, up to, verse, uh, up to around verse 27, as Abraham is walking through the obedience of the voice of God, there are times he was powerful, there are times he was weak. Whenever he obeyed God, he was powerful. Whenever he disobeyed God, he was weak. Because nothing activates the cross like obedience. You are as powerful to the extent of how you obey the Lord. The more you obey the Lord, the more the cross remains on you, intact, giving you power. I know we are under the age of grace, but obedience is still obedience. Disobedience is still disobedience. Rebellion is still rebellion. Surrender is still surrender, though we are under grace. So Abraham begins to follow a pattern. He does not see it physically, but spiritually it is there. So much there till when the heathens were looking at him and consulting with their gods, the Bible says they began to fear him because they saw there was a light on him. And I love history. I love it when I read in history how some people from the day they took leadership and they, they were about to change history. Even those who do not know God could look at them and a fear could come on them and they could bow or step out of the way. I love it. Because to everyone who obeys the voice of God, they may not be deeply Christian, but provided they are obeying God, and in their spirits and in their hearts, they know they are doing good unto the name of the Lord, a cross will come on them. And when the Edens look at them, because even the Edens have their spirit in them, they have a spirit, they will feel a fear because they know heaven is behind that person. So, Abraham stands. Just like some of you may be standing and you don't know you are standing. Abraham stands and he has to choose. Am I going back to Ur where I was born and raised up and there is so much wealth and so much comfort? Or by faith, am I going to walk to the land God will show me? Which I may not know, but God has told me just to walk there. And as Abraham is walking towards Canaan, without knowing he's walking towards Canaan, every year that he obeyed God, his name grew great and great. Finally, the Bible says, I think in chapter 15, now God had blessed Abraham in all kind of wealth, and he had silver and gold, and main servants, and cattle and sheep. Abraham had to be blessed gradually, as the size of his cross kept increasing. This is the reality, my people. God works in seasons. God works in stages. God waits for you to make one step, then he makes another. He waits for you to make the second, then he makes the second. The Bible says, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. There is an interaction is waiting. You draw near, he draws near. You take a step, he takes a step. That is the power of obedience. Every year, Abraham kept increasing in power. Because every year, God was drawing near as he was also drawing near. Moving on. 2015... I was preparing to go and preach somewhere and I began just to pray in tongues and just wait on God. Suddenly I fell into a trance and I saw a man. And this man was standing before a court 
of uh, officials, like in a, in a king's court. There was a king and he had his officials. Then behind him, in the other side of the countryside, was a group of slaves. And this man pointed at this king and he said, The God of those slaves has appeared to me and he told me, Let those people go, that they may go and serve him. This man was Moses. And this man was Pharaoh. Those slaves were the Jews. And as Moses stood there, immediately the Lord opened my eyes. I saw the shape of the cross. What was this cross? On the left side was Pharaoh and his people. On the right side was the Jews. In the middle was the prophet who had to obey God. Every day Moses rose up and he obeyed God. Pharaoh came closer and closer to condemnation and destruction. And the Jews came closer and closer to freedom and, and, and prosperity. Why were the Jews coming to freedom and prosperity? They obeyed the word of faith that was in the mouth of Moses. Are you listening to me? And why was, was Pharaoh getting closer and closer to drowning in the sea, never to rise up again? It's because he was disobeying the word of faith in the mouth of Moses. By the time the man is going to the ocean to drown, these ones are passing through the same Red Sea to go and enter into prosperity. Why? A cross was there, judging the unbelieving while blessing the believing. People, the cross is no longer the wood they display in some cathedrals. The cross is a mystery for those who are walking in obedience. The cross is a mystery for those who are walking in faith. And every day, I lift my voice as I say this, every day there is a left side to choose, there is a right side to choose. Every day there is let my people go. Every day there is I won't let them go. Every day. People are saying, oh God, where are you? Where is your power? His power has already been given through his son as he was on the cross. We'll come to that. His power has already been given through the mystery of the cross. Because to say yes to God is equal to Jesus saying yes on the cross. To say, Lord, I surrender is equal to Jesus saying, not my will, but your will be done. Every day Moses rose up. Death was boiling on the left. Life was boiling on the right. And we'll come to that in the course of the week when we look at the three postures of the cross. Moving on. Joshua comes before Jordan. And the Bible says, now Jericho was shut in. Nobody could move in, nobody could move out. The Lord appeared to me and he revealed to me some things I won't go into details of. But to the very moment when the Jews were still running around that wall seven times, God was still begging Jericho, after all these years, dear people, will you repent or not? On the left side was Jericho being given the last chance, first chance, second chance, seventh, these people are still marching and they are shutting it in. On the right side were fools who are just saying, okay, God says we march, let us march. God says we shout, let us shout. 
God said, let us blow the horn. Let us blow the horn. God said, now we run and take the city. Okay, he says, run. We run. Even there in Jordan, there was a cross. And Joshua has to decide, am I going to obey every word of faith I have been told and stand on it and watch it work? Or will I go back to the common sense which made my father's mama in the desert? Joshua also had his choice to make, whether he'll go back and die like his fathers, instead of following these crazy instructions. As he stood there the first day, stood there the second day, the third, fifth, sixth, seventh day, the cross that he was carrying, and he didn't know he was carrying, prevailed. Remember, before Joshua can go around the wall, the captain of the host had come. Those were the days Jesus could appear to people, not as the son of God, but through, through avenues they could process. He appears through uh, to Abraham as Melchizedek. In a way, Abraham can relate to. He appears to Joshua as the captain of the host. In a way, Joshua can relate to. So that time, even Jesus himself had appeared. Remember what I told you. There is no great episode in the Bible that ever happened without the cross. The people did not know it. But angels, demons, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit knew it because they could see it. Sometimes I watch preachers and men who are in spiritual leadership wearing big robes and everything they try to do to enhance their sense of authority. Yet the answer is in the cross. Is your cross shining or it is not shining? That is where the answer is. The power, Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the power is in the cross. So Joshua is in Jordan. What people are seeing is a military general. What the angels are seeing is a man carrying a light, a man carrying a banner, a man carrying the cross. Because, remember, he has the chance to obey or disobey. He has a chance to turn back or keep moving forward. And this is where most of us are missing it. The repetition of the instructions of God usually turn some of us off. I did it the first time, I did it the second time. Oh my God, I've done it the third time. This is the fourth year, this is the sixth year. Lord, what is it? And you do not know. The more you are walking in that cross, the more the light keeps increasing. I like what David says. That in your light we shall see light. Meaning, the more you get light, the more light keeps increasing. David stands before a man. You all know the story, but allow me to be more illustrative. The valley of Hila was very funny. It was bordered between two hills. This side were the Philistines. This side were the Israelites. In the middle was David. Are you hearing me? So it's like you are in a valley, and on that side there is a hill, on that other side there was a hill. And this side is the Jews, this other side are the Philistines. In the middle is David and Goliath. What do you see there? You already see the cross. And David is telling this man, you come to me in the name of your gods. Already there is a crusade going on. 
Already the Philistines are being told, you people, you have cursed the God of heaven. You still have chance to surrender. And the people said, no, Goliath and us will cast your gods. You know, some of you read the Bible histories and you think it was just a fist fight. It was a cartel trying to fight another cartel. No, the whole Bible is about redemption. The whole Bible is people coming out of the left and going to the right. It was not about Goliath falling. It was about souls seizing the bad manners of cursing the God of heaven. And David is there as the evangelist to tell them, please do not curse my God because you shall die. And they said, no. By the time Goliath fell, the people had to fall. By the time Goliath died, the people had to die. But they didn't just die physically, my people. They died spiritually, cursing God to their death. And David stood there, stretched his hand. And nobody came to this other side. Thank God for the Jews. They remain on this other side saying, we shall live or die honoring the God of heaven. If we die because Goliath overcomes David, we shall die blessing the Lord. If we triumph because David has triumphed, we shall have triumphed still blessing the Lord. The issue was not about who is the giant and who is the small boy. The issue was who will be blessing the Lord of heaven and who will be cursing the Lord of heaven. That was the agenda of the cross that day. And I could talk of Esther. How he stands before the king, Auswaras. And he says, my people have been marked for death. King, are you standing, standing there with the man who is killing my people or are you joining us? Do you know some of you will be shocked when you get to heaven? There will be even kings who did not live all their lives in Sunday school who will be in heaven. Simply because there was a moment for them to cross over and they crossed. Esther stands before Auswaras. And she does not stand as a queen, she stands as an, as an evangelist. Because this king, once he has decided to come this side, it is done. If he decides to remain on that side, it is done. And Esther still illustrates towards the cross. Before he went to the, she went to the king, she told the people, My people, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Just fast and pray for me for three days, then I will go there. You keep in faith. Me, I will take the step of faith which you have backed me up. And I will go and challenge the king also to take a step. And the king took a step. He said, now me, Esther, I am going to defend your people. And my people who are trying to destroy you, I will destroy. In that moment, the evangelist had won the king and the kingdom. The cross is the power of God. You look for it in the wood of Gethsemane and you will be reduced to religious limitation. But you look at it through the whole scripture and you see a beautiful illustration of how to walk in power. 
have no time to talk about Samson and how he leaves his parents to go to the Philistines. I have no time to talk about uh, the likes of uh, the likes of Judah, who has to plead with his brother, stepping on the side of Joseph. I have no time to look at all these biographies to show you that every event that ever shaped biblical history, behind it was the cross. I need to finish so that you go home. This is how I want to wrap it up. There are two ways the Lord will introduce the cross to you. One way we call it the small introduction or the small visitation. The other is called the big introduction or the big visitation. For example, when Abraham has to go to Mount Moriah to kill his boy, that was a big one, right? But before Abraham had gone to kill that boy, there was another boy he had thrown to death called Ishmael. That was a small one, but the same cross saying, choose the side you shall belong to. Before you can obey God in big things, remember God is your father. Beyond being your master, mostly he is your father. So he will not come to you with an intention of destroying you or an intention of embarrassing you to show you how unworthy you are, how weak you are. No. Before the big test, usually there is the small test. Before the big cross, usually there is the small cross. So he will tell you, ah, like I was telling my sister this afternoon, can you just learn to shut your mouth? Lest you cross over to the other side of the enemies and you perish like them. You'll just come and tell you, ah, can you just learn to regulate your temper and this flipping of your hands when your temperature begins to boil? And it may be that simple. And he's watching. Can I trust you with a small cross before I can give you the bigger cross? Before he's telling Peter, Peter, are you ready to die for me? He tells Peter, are you ready to follow me? Because following is smaller compared to dying. Are you understanding me? God will come with a smaller cross before he comes with a bigger cross. And we are as powerful to the extent of the cross we are prepared to carry. And people, people are usually honest. Me, me, I can't take that. Me, I don't have that grace. I can't take that. They are only telling us, this is how small I am when it comes to the power of God. <laughs> me, ah, 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 you pinch me, you pinch me. Already they are telling us, this is how small their cross are. I am not the preacher who will tell you no more suffering, no more trials, no more persecution. That is to read the Bible upside down and to deny the people the true power of God. There will be tests. It may begin with your mouth. It may begin with your arms. It may begin with your steps. Don't, don't go to that supermarket. Just don't go there. And God is watching. 
how itchy your feet are. Don't use Uber, use Matatu. Humble yourself. I met a prophet from another country the other day and he had a problem just taking Matatus. You know I'm a prophet. And I wanted to rub it in his face for a few minutes. The Lord told me, wait. I am still watching him as if I am not in a hurry. When he's ready to humble himself, I will come and meet him. The cross does not come to you suddenly in a big shape. It comes in a small shape. And the question will be this. Will you obey? When I read of the Bible, I look at the story of Abraham. Before God tells him to do the radical thing of leaving Ur and going to Canaan, his father had already moved a bit. There was already a movement. Go read your Bible. The father had already moved a bit. It's like the father left Nairobi for Nakuru before they go to whichever village has a despiteful name in this country. So God was already preparing his heart. Before he told, kill Isaac, your only son, he told, throw away Ishmael, your firstborn. And when he threw Ishmael, it made him ready to now take on Isaac. My question is this. Are you faithful to those little crosses? Those little episodes of don't go this side, go this side. Don't, don't get discouraged on the first attempt. Go to the seventh attempt. Are you faithful in those small places? Because Jesus says, those who shall endure to the end will be saved. Those who are faithful in little will be proven faithful in much. All of us want big things. But big things are big prizes. Big things are big prizes. Right now, you are easy to manage. Each Sunday, maximum comes here 500 people. Suppose you are 50,000. My God, that is big. That is stressful. And it will take the cross growing. To be able now to capture that number of pressure, that weight, it will take a greater cross, a greater power to be able to carry. So God will charge 3, 30, 300, 3,000, good, 10,000, 50. Uh, you have reached your elastic limit. Oh, okay, I'll maintain you there. Our God is a good father. He can't give us what we can't handle. But he wishes he can give us everything. <laughs> Paul says, I've learned now to be everything. Previously, he was just something called a Pharisee. Now after a while he has learned to be everything to all men. You want him to be a Jew? He's a Jew. You want him to be barbarian? He's barbarian. You want him to be a Greek? He's a Greek. And the man, the more he was now elastic, the more God could tr trust him to go to the whole of Asia. Later on Paul now says, I have gone to the whole world. There is no place I have not preached the gospel. But previously, he was this little, stupid, myopic Pharisee who only looked at the Judaism and nothing beyond Judaism. And the more he was able to capture more, take more stress, take more cultural shock, take more territorial, territorial uh, uh, challenges, the more his cross kept growing, his authority kept growing, and his influence has never ceased. 
So today I wanted to introduce the cross. Then tomorrow we look at the three postures of the cross. How do you carry this cross? In three ways. One way, second way, we'll finish with the third way. Now to cheer you up, we have to tie it up in a cheerful way. The way you are going to be able to carry the cross God has assigned you on a day-to-day -day basis is to look at the cross of all crosses. Calvary. Every time you cannot carry your own cross, you look at Calvary. Immediately, I can assure you, your light will begin to shine. It's like this small lamp of mine is about to go off. Oh, what do I do? Then you discover there is a certain blazer, certain light that never goes out. Anytime your light is about, your little light is about to go off, you, you tilt it there and your light comes back on. The Bible says they looked unto the Lord and they were radiant. I hope now you are getting the meaning of radiance. Some of you think radiance is meaning you never used to laugh, now you are laughing. No, it is beyond psychology. Radiance is spiritual. There are people who have lost their radiance because they are not looking to the Lord. They are looking to themselves. And I want to tie it up this evening by encouraging you, dear people, do not look at yourself. Look unto the Lord. Even though the cross seems heavy, the more you look to the Lord and his cross, the more your cross will begin to be lighter and brighter and the burden will be easier. You remember Moses with the serpent, the, gold, the bronze serpent in the, in the wilderness? Whoever looked to it was kept alive. Whoever did not look was never kept alive. The issue is not on you. The glory is not on you. The future is not on you. It is on the Lord. He owns holiness, he owns righteousness, he owns power. Everything he owns, but you have to decide whether you look to him or you not look to him. I like saying this. But when we look at ourselves and we see bad things, we begin to have self-pity. When we look at ourselves and on the other side we see good things, we begin to have pride. So there is never a day we are allowed to look at ourselves. We are to look to the Lord. Every time we look to the Lord, we become like him. And the light that he carries that is so perfect will come on us. Amen. If I was to look to my father or my background, my God, I'll not even be preaching. Live alone, even being saved. I will have every reason to throw it down and say, ah, life is impossible. Because all men who have gone ahead of me have proved to me that it is impossible. But I keep looking to the Lord. And as I look to the Lord, I made it, it, it became possible as a teenager. As I look to the Lord, it has become possible as a youth. As I'm looking to the Lord, it is becoming possible as an adult. Every day we look to the Lord, our faces must become radiant. There is a radiance in our star that comes alive. There is a radiance on our crosses that comes alive. Let me not fail by saying this. Are you bored? Let me not fail by saying this. Let me catch this. Every day, men come to this pulpit to preach. Two things usually happen. Listen. Two things usually happen. 
If the church was truly God's idea, like this one is God's idea, say amen. amen. If the church was really God's idea, always there'll be an angel at the back, there'll be another one at the, at, at, at the front, at the back right there. And depending on the prayer condition and the spiritual condition of the people, others will be pacing up and down. Depending on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, listen to me, depending on the gifts of the Holy Spirit the church has embraced, the ministering spirits behind those gifts will also be there. There's a, there's a church you will go to and they don't believe in healing, so you can't expect healing angels there. There are churches that don't believe in prophecy. So you can't expect prophetic angels in those churches. So every gift embraced in a church will attract a certain angel. But this is the point I want to make. There will always be a physical Bible in a pulpit like this. Then there will always be a spiritual Bible that is golden in color in a pulpit like this. So what, this is what will happen. The man of God can be preaching, preaching, preaching. Then this angel can decide to come with hot calls, pour fire on the, on the Bible, and it will enter his heart. Bah! And at that moment, something comes on him called the anointing. And then he'll preach, 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 and the angel comes again, pours hot calls on that Bible, and suddenly, bah! it will enter his heart. And the man will take another dimension, and he'll say, the Lord, and it, boldness will come that is not natural. Why? Because the word now has caught fire. Sorry. But there is this cross. Depending on the spiritual condition of a church, this cross, like I preached one time, can be full of dust or it can be full of fire. So what usually happens when a preacher is preaching and is living right as a preacher, because some preachers don't live right. If this one is living right and the congregation is also living right, what will usually happen, the cross will keep glowing and glowing and growing. And sometimes it can be a small cross. So what this angel will do, he will come with a bigger golden cross, plant it on fr in front of the pulpit, and suddenly... Healings will begin to happen. Suddenly, visitations will begin to happen. In that moment, should the preacher make an altar call, people will come running like something is pulling them to the pulpit. That is the mystery behind a powerful altar. Ah, suppose the preacher like me has forgotten to seek the Lord, has forgotten to walk in the ways of God. God is calling him to fasting and he's not fasting. Even sometimes some of them you find they are living in open sin. What will usually happen to a pulpit like this? It will be full of dust and full of worms. And sometimes as you stand there and you're like me, you begin to feel more discouraged and you live there feeling like... Ministry is really hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me resign. Maybe I go back to college. I get a second degree in theology. Then I come back. And many preachers have quit because the pulpit was full of death. Why is this important? Because, because you can decide how much power you carry based on your lifestyle. And you don't have to be a perfect person. You have to be a perfect beholder of the one who alone is perfect. Are you hearing me? 
You don't have to be perfect, but the one who is perfect, do not ever for two minutes take your eyes away from him. Anytime the snakes of discouragement bites you, anytime the snakes of, of impatience bite you, anytime the snakes of bitterness bites you, do not look at what has caused it. Look at the one who can heal it. And that is how you'll keep light in your path. Now I hope you understand, thy word is a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. It is not just physical light. It is a spiritual light. And many are walking in darkness, not because they don't have Bibles, but because they don't have obedience. So Father, I ask this for your people and for myself. Take us back to those innocent days of obedience. Take us back to those innocent days of loving your cross, loving your finished work on Calvary. From where the statement, it is finished, is uttered in the entire Bible. This statement was not uttered in a palace, though many of us want palaces. This statement was not uttered in a dining table, though many of us want provision. This statement was not uttered by the marketplace, though many of us want to go into the marketplace and trade and do business. This statement was uttered in the place of surrender, where blood ran down. And the heavens were darkened, but light came eventually. Take us back to the cross. Take us back to looking at the cross in our darkest moments. Take us back to looking at the cross in our hours of agony and pain. Take us back to looking at the cross. Take us back to understanding the pattern of the cross in those little decisions we have to make. Take us back to looking at the pattern of the cross in those big decisions we may also have to make. That every day we have to cross from the left and go to the right and win with the history as our God also wins through us. For every battle we have lost, Lord, we ask you, release Calvary. For every battle we keep losing, Lord, we ask you, release Calvary. We may not be strong, but Lord, you are strong. And as we look to you, we become like you. We may not be wise, but Lord, you are wisdom. And as we look to you, we become wise. We may not be holy, but Lord, you are holiness. And as we look to you, we become like you. We become holy. Take us out of darkness in every area of our lives and bring us to the light. The light that the cross of Calvary reveals. Lord, you are reminding me of all the apostles as you met them in the scriptures. Lord, many of them only had careers and tribes. They did not have power. They did not have destiny. They did not have history happening. They only had their tribes and their careers. And some of them had their families. But when they followed you towards that cross, as they imitated you towards that cross, as they surrendered to your voice, eventually they became the most powerful men who turned the world upside down. Take us back to obeying your voice. Take us back to following your paths. That as we follow you, we may follow you to history. As we follow you, we follow you to destiny. Bless those who came and those who hear this voice. And Lord, cause them to side with you. For no one sided with you and his banner was ever marked defeat. Everyone who follows you, their banner will be marked victory. Send us with victory to the rest of the week. And cause us, my Father, that our light of the cross will keep shining. 
as the week progresses. And the rest of our lives, may we be carriers of the cross. A cross that will change every place of darkness we will ever step into. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.